DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Shane Young, NBA analyst and columnist for Forbes Sports. Shane joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret, Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Shane, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. I am curious. Do you believe Chris Paul is going to break through and go to the NBA Finals for the first time tonight? The Suns up 3-1 at home against the Clippers. We know the Clippers rallied against the Mavs and the Jazz. It's still a source of a little bitterness here. Uh, are they going to get off the deck down 3-1 and, and take it to the Suns, or do the Suns wrap it up right now? I cannot believe I'm saying this after 16 years of watching this guy play basketball, but it's happening. Chris Paul is going to the Finals. Now, I don't necessarily know if Game 5 will be it because, as you said, I think the most resilient group all year, I don't think this is a stretch to say it, I think the most resilient group all year has been the Clippers. Uh, Despite what, you know, despite anything that happens to them, whether it's an injury, whether it's just abhorrent shooting performances like they had in Game 4, which was just, one of the worst fourth quarters you will ever see in modern basketball, college or NBA, and that's saying something. Um, they continue to bounce back. I mean, it's just like, you know, Reggie Jackson's been their second option with Kawhi out, so uh, that's fascinating to see, and I'm glad that he's doing well. But I think the Suns have too much. I think the Suns, just their half-court defense is, you know, I think it was right under Utah's this year, uh, Utah and the Lakers, you know, during the season, but – Right now, it's it's kicked it up to another gear, to another level, and I think I think they're smelling blood, and they they can feel it. So the Suns win it all. I think the Bucks will probably have the upper hand there. Um, I I like Milwaukee's size. I like Milwaukee's uh, shot creation with Chris Middleton right now. Uh, Middleton versus Booker in the mid range will be will be one of the best battles you'll see. Um, and and I mean just up and down the board through Holiday uh, against Chris. I mean, two of the feistiest, best defensive point guards in the league. But I think Milwaukee would have the upper hand. So is Milwaukee finished off Atlanta in your mind? I mean, it's 2-1. Oh, yeah. So, but it's well, I, 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 I do think it would be, uh, I, you know, whenever Atlanta won game one, I was telling everybody because we were in Phoenix, um, uh, you know, covering the covering that series, and I was just telling everybody, look, I think Milwaukee's going to win four straight. <laughs> I just think they're they're so good, and it, it takes one game, as we've seen in other series, particularly from the Clippers. It takes one game to kind of kind of get a feel on how you want to guard certain players, and Trey Young is that guy. And now with him having that ankle sprain, nah, it ain't it ain't looking good. So what's the difference with the Bucks from uh, last year to this year? Obviously, they got Drew Holiday. He's mm-hmm. a different player in terms of being in the lineup. Is that it, or is there more to it? Drew, right, there is more to it, but it but it always goes back to Drew because of how much they can switch. I don't think last year defensively you could switch Eric Bledsoe onto whoever and and live with the results. And then Bledsoe would obviously make his blunders have his mistakes deep into the uh, most pivotal games, most pivotal pivotal moments uh, of the East Finals and, and, and such. And I think Drew Holiday, despite never really being on that stage before, you know, he's only made the second round, I believe, with um, with New Orleans. But, like, despite never being on this type of stage, he's just built for that moment. Like, I, I think Drew, 
is a much better off the dribble uh, creator and shooter than Bledsoe was last year. I think he is a better spot up guy, better decision maker, um, and uh, you know maybe a better leader and teammate. And it's just like I, you know, I think I think that has mattered. That has changed the culture. And you know, you have to actually give credit. Not not a lot of people want to do want to do this, but you have to give credit to Mike Budenholzer for actually changing things up a little bit and saying, okay, we're not going to play our traditional defense of drop coverage. We're just going to switch a lot more. And that's made them dominant on both ends. Shane Young joining us, NBA analyst and columnist for Forbes Sports. It seems weird to be a coach. I mean, people have always think, always think they know more than coach, and it's easier to blame mm-hmm. the coach than it is to blame the star player, especially if you're a fan yeah. who has some type of perceived self-perceived uh, emotional connection to the star player. It's easier to dump on the coach. But early, you, you look at Twitter, which, of course, is a crazy thing to look at sometimes. <laughs> but you look at Twitter and Ty Lue, oh, he's being outcoached by Quinn Snyder. And then Quinn Snyder, ah, oh, he's being outcoached by Ty Lue. Doesn't it just come down to, like, sometimes you got better players than the other guy? And if you switch coaches, the same team would win, and the other coach would look smarter? Dude, you have read my mind. You have taken the words out of my mouth with that because – I don't understand. I've never understood assigning credit or assigning blame to, to coaches and, you know, saying they should lose their job for certain things. Like, there were even, you know, this is not representative of the Jazz fan base. I, I think this was just a few Jazz fans, I should say that. But, like, there were people saying, like, should they have a coaching change? <laughs> just because, like, they, they lost in the second round to a really, really damn good team. And, you know, it, it's it's always mind-boggling to me whenever people want to, as, as we said, either assign full blame or or give full credit to those coaches. You know, I think Phil Jackson is not another one. Like, does he deserve the full credit for what he did with Michael Jordan and, and Kobe and Shaq? Like, absolutely not. But it's uh, it, it's just it's a weird dynamic, as you said. And I think, you know, going back to your point there, if you if you put Ty Lue on the Jazz, like. I'm sorry, but he's not going to have a small ball center available to him. He doesn't. He's not going to be able to bring Nick Batum from the Clippers to the Jazz, right? Like I think the, I think Rudy Gobert would still be stretched a little bit thin. And in that series, which I'm I'm very disappointed. I didn't get to go back to Salt Lake City for Game Seven because I really loved it there. It, you know, for the three days I was there, that series went by so fast. I felt like, but um, I I think. With Rudy, like, you know, it, it wasn't an indictment on him what happened in that series either. It was more so, like, just the personnel. Like, they, they the Jazz had no uh, variation. They had no lineup flexibility. They could only go big with, with Gobert or Favors. Like, they just couldn't manufacture lineups that could either deter the Clippers from shooting lights out from three or, or make it tough on them. So what do you think of the latest move that came down with Dennis Lindsay and the Jazz? More so from a, from an outside perspective, someone that's not in the market. I'm kind of just waiting to see how the dominoes fall. Like, I'm, I'm wondering why it happened. I'm wondering, like, you know, what's, what's going to be what, – what's the impact actually going to be? Because a, a lot of the times you see, like, front office members uh, leaving their roles or, or going to a different – being assigned to a different role. And really, like, the, the long-term effect is – you can't really put your finger on what the long-term effect is going to be. So I'm kind of just waiting to see how the dominoes fall. How, how do you guys feel about it? Waiting to see how the dominoes fall. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't, you know, the whole personnel side, one person can't do it. You've got to scout guys internationally. You've got to scout 
pro guys. You got to scout college guys. And so, is it basically going to be the same team? Will there be small changes? Will there be a ton of changes? Um, you know, it, it isn't one person sitting up there with a magic wand. I mean, somebody's got to make the final decision, but there's so much that goes into the process leading up to the final decision. And sometimes you still just have to get lucky. You draft somebody yeah, who could have been good, who ends up injury prone, and you pass on a guy who stays healthy and ends up being really good. Yeah, and even going, kind of going on that point, going to trades too, like, like when it's trade season, I think fans kind of fall into this trap of thinking that it's just like one guy. It's like, you know, let's use like a – I don't know the 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 Celtics example. Like like it's not only Danny Ainge that is that is pulling the trigger and making those decisions. Like it, it's a team full of like twenty plus people that that's you know kind of like conversing on the subject and, and evaluating the players and and evaluating the long term short term effects of, of said trade. So you know it, it's not going to be just one one guy or one person uh, that that's kind of making the decisions. Right. I'm, as a fan, from the fan perspective, I'm more, way more interested in what is the decision rather than who's making the decision. Yeah. And so is the decision right? Because you can look at any general manager, so to speak, or any group of people. This is the group that thought that trading on draft day for Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell was a great idea, and they mm-hmm. were great ideas. And this is the same group that thought Trey Lyles should be drafted ahead of Devin Booker. <laughs> Man, I still forget that Trey Lyles was on Utah. I still like until I watched Kobe's game, Kobe's sixty-point game again. That's when I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the point being, everybody has hits and misses, and you hope that you have more hits than misses. Yeah, and really, like no front office. Even the Spurs, uh, Spurs have a long track record right. of being uh, you know, awesome but they don't do in-season trades. Like, even the Spurs are not 90 to 10 in terms of, like, exactly. the scale of, of, of having great moves. Like, it's more so, right. like, 60-40 or 70-30. Yeah. And then I think there's the question of, um, you know, people have title, but, you know, uh, wh- where does it go from there as far as, like, Dwayne Wade is an advisor, right? Dennis Lindsay's an advisor. Mm -hmm. But as a part owner, well, of course he's obviously an advisor. So how much does he choose to weigh in? How much impact is there when he does weigh in? Right? So there's a whole lot of X factors that go beyond the title. And Wade, like, you know, I think Wade is going to have a voice no matter what just because of how close he is with Ryan and how, like, just his position now and, and actually being in Salt Lake City and being around the culture and stuff. And, um, but I don't, you know, it's always tricky because, like, he has zero front office ex- experience. And I'm not saying, like, he's in the front office necessarily and having those talks and having those decisions. But, um, you know, it is, it is, it, 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 it does feel weird when you have such a renowned veteran, renowned, like, a Hall of Fame legend there, then you don't, you don't necessarily, like, want to lean on him fully because he, do, he doesn't have that experience as a, as a guy that can give you that type of, like, advice. What's going down in Portland really has me intrigued because where do they go? They've got a guaranteed bona fide superstar at the top, but they're sort of running in place. Yeah. What are your thoughts? It's more, Now it's like damage control. Now they have to just make sure Dan, uh, Dame Willard is, is content and okay with the hire of Tony Billups. I know there's a lot of stuff that, you know, 
allegations from back in you know 1997 and such. And I think that uh, I think Dame. This is just my read on it. I think he kind of like is trying to save face here um, by saying that he wasn't a part of that coaching search or you know he didn't give his opinions, which we know from reporting last week that he did. He did give his that give his option. So just kind of weird to see him backtrack into the whole organization. Uh, have this like you know damage control going on, but I, I got to tell you, he's got four years left on his contract, and if I'm the Blazers, nobody and nobody in history has ever been that talented to be on to be in that franchise. Clyde Drexler included. Like Dame is the best Blazer ever, and I'm sorry, like I'm not trading you unless it's unless I get absolutely blown away by a deal. So. It's one of those things where if he comes to you and says he wants out, I just say I love you, Dame. I respect you so much, but uh, tough luck. You're you're here with us, and and we're not we're not sending you anywhere until we have something that we and that we particularly like from a trade package. Well, the length of the contract seems to give them quite a bit of power for the next two years, but uh, then the power will start shifting towards mm-hmm. him. So they need to get it right pretty quick, right? Oh yeah, I mean they have to. Things have to be cordial before, and I think it, it still could be. I think it still is. Um, things have to be good before opening night because, like, you don't want to start the season on a bad note because then that will ruin this season. Then you're down to three years, and as you said, time the, the clock will start ticking. So um, more so than anything, it's like figure out if you want to have this infrastructure, this this uh, roster in place. Like, if, if you want to break up CJ and Dame, like, try to get a really good deal for CJ and get some more – versatility and defense because they are they for the last three years man they have been one of the worst defenses you could ever lay your eyes on it's bad so they do need to try to get some defensive versatility in there shane we appreciate the time as always thanks for joining us and uh, we'll talk to you again thanks have a good one man Shane Young, NBA analyst and columnist for Forbes Sports. Eric Walden, jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, join us at 9 o'clock to talk about the changes in jazz management over the weekend. That is coming up, so stay with us for him at the top of the hour. DJ and PK, we are broadcasting live from Jeremy Ranch, and we are joined right now by Chris Badger, CFO of Now CFO. So, you want to explain to us what that is? Awesome. <laughs> It's an outsourced CFO service for hire. So we've got over 40 consultants from Ogden to Provo that uh, work with uh, emerging companies, startup companies, and and large uh, companies for project work at a senior CFO, a senior accountant level. And so it's a great model. Business is booming in Utah. It's uh, been a record year for construction companies, manufacturing e-commerce and so it's a it's a great time to be out in the in the business environment in utah why is that business booming what's going on here that isn't going on other places i think it's a i think it's a reflection of both uh the high-tech silicon slopes has a big impact with that and there's a lot of high-tech companies software development as well as the standbys with construction home building i mean every construction company that i've talked to in utah had a record year in 2020, and they're looking for an even better year in 21. So is this a case of one person's problems is another person's opportunity? 
because people are struggling to buy homes and houses are going through the roof, it's a great time to be in construction and building homes because you know they're buyers. So one person's problem is another person's opportunity. That's right. I mean, there's just a huge demand that's out there, and they're projecting that demand over the next couple of years. They don't see it decreasing at all. How much of this is related to maybe you talk about other people's problems, you know, people leaving California and coming here? Is that factoring in? We love California refugees. You bring them in. You're talking you st- to two of them. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. We, we, bring, we bring them in, show them, show them around town. It's a great place to start a business. It's a very business-friendly environment, and the Salt Lake Chamber is a big factor with that. They do a lot of uh, lobbying on behalf of uh, Salt Lake and Utah businesses, and it makes it uh, very easy for companies to relocate. We have several companies that have uh, relocated back up into Park City from the L.A. area, and they love it. They get to go out and play golf at Jeremy Ranch, where we're at today, as well as all the other great facilities around town. So uh, there's booms and there's busts. As you see everything booming now, do you see a bust out there? Or as far as you can see, we still have a lot of people, teenagers are going to become 20-somethings, 20-somethings becoming 30-somethings. And so as much as it's California refugees like ourselves, it's also these people aging are going to keep things rolling. You know, I, as I said before, with the construction, especially in the home building, they're not seeing any slowdown for the next two years. There's just a huge demand that's out there. And, you know, it's almost zero unemployment in Utah. I can't find people. That's my biggest problem is trying to find experienced people because everybody's working. There's not a problem. And so uh, back in the recession in 2008, I was in real estate in Denver, and I, we could see it coming for two years out. We knew it was happening. I just don't see that here in, in Utah. It's, uh, it's been a great uh, run for the last year. I think it's going to continue to run, and uh, it's great to be in business in Utah. So that real estate boom, that's good for the economy? I think so, because eventually the demand for houses is going to be uh, met with the new house building, and I think it's uh, just one of those things where it's going to match up and will then continue on an upward trajectory. So the California refugees went to Denver for a long time. And they've gone to Phoenix and Vegas and certainly Seattle and people in Seattle and Portland have complained about people in California moving in and driving up their real estate prices. So are places like Salt Lake and Boise just kind of on the back end of the curve and it's, it's our time now to experience that growth? And at some point, does that slow down a little bit? I think, it, I, I think it's great because I think right now Salt Lake and uh, the Wasatch Front is going to be on the upside of that curve because there's just a lot of companies that come in and realize that they can hire great employees, educated employees, kids that have degrees and can go to work right now. They realize how easy it is and and what a good workforce they have. And so I would continue to see that economic boom for the next couple of years. All right. Well, we appreciate it. Good luck with uh, now CFO. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Have a great day on the golf course. (laughs) Okay. Uh, DJ PK, we are broadcasting live here from Jeremy Ranch, where the uh, where the Salt Lake Chamber is holding their golf tournament, and that's Chris Badger, CFO of Now CFO. All right, stay with us more in a moment here. DJ and PK, change coming for the Jazz and the Jazz offseason accelerating. We will get to that coming up as well, plus more on the recruiting and the youth. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. You know I was babysat until 8th grade. Dolores Arnold used to babysit me every day after school. And Dolores? Her husband. Yeah. Look, he got like 220-pound 8th grade hands. Would you Can we not focus on that? You're like, hey, Dolores. Hi, Hans. I think it's funny the thought of it. Eighth grade Hans Olsen probably pushing two bills. He's <laughs> sitting in and being babysat. You guys let me know when you're done so I can finish my story. Tell us more about Dolores. Anyways, her husband Don liked MASH. Sitting next to Don on the couch watching MASH. Hey, <laughs> Don, you can-, can I borrow your shaver? <laughs> Catch Hans and Scotty every day. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. DJ PK, the news of the morning. Dennis Lindsay. Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, calling shots since 2012. Moving into advisory role, Justin Zanuck. Now in charge of day-to-day decision-making as the Jazz GM. Job he's held for two years and his assistant GM for two years before that. He's in Milwaukee for a couple years. And before that, he's with the Jazz for four years. So he knows the organization well, knows all the players, knows the storylines. Where do the Jazz go from here? How do things change? Well, I think the big change is now, instead of Dennis, it's going to be Justin and I that are going to break down these stereotypes as far as Utah isn't a good place to be. Need to update the drops, Yach. That's it. <laughs> Let me go get a splice and edit that, okay? PK so. now. Arm in arm with Jay-Z. We need to have Jay-Z <laughs> Thanks, on. Dennis. Just recreate that for we'll us. We'll still do the road trips, but not as many of them now. And I'm sure Jay-Z, he needs to be educated in that if you need a game-winning baseline 20-foot hook shot, I'm your guy. Oh, I'm sure he's heard. I'm sure he's seen film. Because he wasn't in the building. At, maybe he was, but he wasn't at the court at the time, whereas Dennis saw it firsthand. And threw up in his mouth as he turned sideways and exclaimed, well, we'll never hear the end of that. No, he just turned around and fist-pumped a la Michael that is Jordan. Not, because I was Very standing, casual when he hit that game winner. Because I was, was standing one. near him and slightly behind him, and he was in my field of vision. I was literally looking over his shoulder as you hit that shot. The and shot? It's a, this is a real thing, by the way. I know it sounds like radio <laughs> shtick, but they had a media session, and Quinn was there coaching, and... Yeah, and he PK kept screaming, the get ball. the ball to PK. And the clock was running down, and he was on the right side, off the low post. He looked over his right shoulder, three, two, one. Chick Hearn, swing left, hook right. Well, I had seen it. Kareem, Kareem at the – Beat the buzzer. It was the it, shot that Kareem hit to set the scoring record at the Thomas and Mack. It was a little more off the baseline than that, but there are some striking similarities. <laughs> And Dennis, you could hear all the air go out of him. Jeez, oh, we're never going to hear the end of that. He pumped, He raised his fist. And then he looked back up to see you sprinting to half court and turning and running up the tunnel and out the front door, a la Bo Jackson, as you mix your Kareem, Bo Jackson, L.A. Laker, L.A. Raider metaphor. Well, I figured everyone was chasing me, so I had to. <laughs> <laughs> Just- all decorum broke down in the building at that point. 
epithets were exclaimed. Jay-Z has a ton of experience. It has been in the league for a number of years. So now, going forward, though, you know, there's probably going to be change. Uh, the, a, there's always change. Yes, agreed. And B, there's a new ownership. Well, I think the, 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 the new ownership has changed. Dwayne Wade coming aboard. I mean, you can't ignore that Dwayne Wade doesn't have the time with all the product. I mean, we see we see him on TNT. We see him on, on the basketball games. We see him on the game show. He's got other stuff going. He's here a lot. And people in the organization will tell you he's here a lot. And he's delving into the business side and asking questions and learning stuff. But he's still got stuff going in L.A. I think that's where, weren't they golfing somewhere in Orange County, he and Quinn, when they met? Isn't that the story? Ryan Smith. Excuse me. Yeah, Ryan Smith is what I meant. Um, San Clemente or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But not so, Quinn Snyder. No, I meant Ryan. I did mean Ryan. Yeah. And so what role Quinn has talked about that he's talking hoops with Dwayne, and Dwayne Wade is such a big presence, and he also knows he's a part-time presence, and he knows what it's like to be full-time and have people who just drop in. So how much does he – how forceful does he choose to be? How much of himself – does he choose to interject into these situations? He can't be ignored. He's Dwayne Wade. And so from pregame and locker room talking to Quinn, which is where I was going with that, um, to a draft night or if they're talking to him about a trade or a free agent or whatever, his words are going to carry weight. He doesn't have the title advisor because he's a part owner, but he is an advisor. You know, stuff's always changing. I care more about what than who. What's being done? Well, there are people who definitely want to know, is Mike Conley going to resign? That is the big, (laughs) obvious decision looming this summer. And having said that, in the long run, what they do in the draft might be more important. I mean, you can say they're not drafting that big a spot and they shouldn't get somebody. And and I get all those arguments, and, and largely I buy them. But if they see a guy they believe in, you know, and does it only happen once every five or ten years? But you hit on a Paul Millsap in the second round, or you see a Rudy Gobert and you think, let's trade up to 27 and get him. He's a project, but we think he can be an impact. Is that guy out there this year or another year? When it happens, it's a big deal. So that is what, not who. Uh, what is being done? And Chris Middleton is the most recent example, drafted 39th and just took over. He got hot. Good for him. He got hot for the Bucks, and took the pressure off onto Tacumbo. <laughs> well, they both had massive games. Yeah, but Drew. I mean, it, at the stretch it was. Oh, it was Middleton down the stretch from that. And he's a second-round pick. Yeah. So there are players out there. There are players available. You've got to get That's why I'm more concerned about what they do rather than who is calling the shots. Now, if that person – I I don't think that it's one person whose voice is 98%. I don't think it works that way either. And I, I'm not sure it's ever worked that way, but I just think the way basketball has gone, that you can't be everywhere. You can't be thoroughly scouting colleges for the draft while you're scouting all the international guys playing in Europe, while you're scouting the NBA thinking, is guy 12 or 14 at their end of the bench someone we need to go acquire, which they've done at times. Guys who've been buried. I mean, Clarkson wasn't that far down. But uh, maybe Raja Bell was when they got him. So you're scouting other people's benches trying to see if you can swing a pick or swing a trade and get a guy. While you're looking at the college guys, while you're looking at the international guys in Europe, yeah, it isn't just one person. And that's why I think 
you know, how Justin sets up his network. I mean, there's always turnover because people are taking other jobs. But how much is there going to be and the new people he brings in, how good are they going to be? Or are there people there who maybe weren't being heard? What is Justin's vision for what the NBA is going to look like in five years and where the Jazz need to go? Well, I think it's more of what is Ryan Smith's vision. Well, there's that too. And so he owns the team. He's the majority owner. And there's going to be change over the course of time when new folks come in. It's understood. And so it's not really big breaking news. And the, the, the opportunity in five years or so to have a bunch of new faces on board probably is going to happen. But well, I think from the player roster, you can just look at the contracts and say, I, I think – there's no guarantees. Oh, on the court, yeah. I but in the, court. in the court. No, I think in the court there'll be big change in two to three years. Oh, of course. Yeah. That's go- that was going to happen no matter what. Right. You can look at contracts and it ages. And so now what is that change going to look like when it happens? On the floor? Yeah. Oh, I couldn't begin to tell you. Too many options. I wonder if they can. Three years might as well be 50. Yeah. But they're planning for it. That's the most important thing is that nothing jumps at them by surprise. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. More on the jazz with Eric Walden, jazz writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, coming up at 9 o'clock. Next, the Utes landing a couple of big recruits. They sound like big names out of California. The impact of that, stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. From The Athletic, he's our friend Sam Amick. Mike Conley's a free agent for the first time in his career. How big a factor would his health be in deciding whether or not you want to be in the Mike Conley business? You talk to your sports science people and and just gather all the evidence that you want regarding his own personal history with injury and trying to essentially predict if you invest X amount of money, what percentage of the time can you reasonably expect him to be on the floor? Good luck getting that right, but he's coming off a very good year. I truthfully don't know what the market's going to be elsewhere for money for Mike. Age is always going to come into play but to me a hamstring you know it's going to recover and they're obviously a lot better with him catch the big show weekdays from two to seven presented by big O tires the team you trust on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network dj pk it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone all right we got multiple stories you know sometimes there's nothing going on pk and then sometimes there's everything going on Ute fans want to talk recruiting, talk quarterbacks. So do I. Two big shots out of California. Nate Johnson and Brandon Rose. Have they broken through at the U? Man, you know, it is like the current labor situation in the country. Utah now has more quarterbacks wanting in than they have scholarships available. It's like we have more workers we have more jobs than workers, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm relating to what's going on in the world today. It's beautiful. Remember today. in 2002, that's what the consultant said? I do. <laughs> the show's in total disarray. That's all I remember. Yeah, and then we both looked at you. I know. <laughs> all right, I'll wear it. <laughs> and the great thing is after that meeting, we met with the boss the next day who didn't know anything but read the whole report back to us. Yeah, we heard all of this yesterday. Thanks, Coach. And now we're rolling. And Utah, same deal. They're rolling in quarterbacks. They're an assembly line of quarterbacks. They're going to put a picture in their media guide of Kyle Whittingham with a 
hard helmet on and his arms full. Wait a minute. Wait <laughs> hold a on, minute. hold on, that hold on. looks familiar. <laughs> and all the quarterbacks at the back of their jerseys. Or, or Kyle has got enough high-level quarterbacks either as, signing his recruits or coming in as transfers that something has got to pay off. One of them has got to be the guy. Even if right now we don't know who the one is, I think that's the most likely scenario. There's too many high-level, talented guys. One of them is going to make the leap. Are they going to get good quarterback play? Yes. That's Out of which guy? No idea. But as long as you get it out of one, the fans don't care. Well, I think this year it's not going to be Cardi B. It's going to be Charlie B. Yes. <laughs> but that's a one-and-done deal. <laughs> and she is now pregnant, I understand. Okay, this is just <laughs> random word association on a Monday morning now. Well, what, what do you think? Char- Charlie V versus Cardi B? I think I like that. I think that's going to be my new, my new way I reference uh, Charlie Brewer going forward this next season. Charlie B. And then when he throws a touchdown pass, whap! <laughs> well played. Are you done? <laughs> Don't. Don't ask that question, DJ. You don't want the answer. <laughs> Can you double down again? I will split those face cards and I will double down again. That came together really far better than I could have expected. <laughs> <laughs> when you were just throwing stuff against the wall, like Kyle throws quarterback recruits against the wall. Until he gets one who can throw for 4,000 yards. Charlie B. Wap. <laughs> Mercifully, <laughs> Brian Epperson, CEO of Target River. We gotta go play the weekend first. Oh, have you got it? Yeah, I didn't know. Oh, got, well, it froze up. I don't know. I gave him enough time. All right, that was all my ramble. Hit it, Yak. <laughs> and now, really, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Sixteen feet, eighth playoff hole for birdie to win it. This is downhill, moving left to right across the green, should turn to the right. Starts it out to the left. Good looking line, has a chance, he made it! And it's over! And Harris English has won the 2021 Travelers Championship. All right, there is the Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today at 450 on the big show. You can win fabulous prizes. Everybody else will be guessing, you know, Logo 3 or something from the Hawks game with Trey Young or uh, Middleton getting hot down the stretch. But you, you will know because the other people are trying to go with an educated guess and you are listening. 450 today. You can win fabulous prizes on the big show. Now we're joined by Brian Epperson, CEO of Target River. We're live at Jeremy Ranch this morning. The Salt Lake Chamber having their annual golf tournament. And Brian, welcome to the show. And I guess the first question is, what does Target River do? Uh, Target River's a full-service marketing agency. So we work with uh, retail businesses, nonprofits, uh, educational institutions, higher ed, basically helping them grow their business, get more donors, get more students, whatever their goal is. And I got to tell you, this uh, spotlight for the sport uh, highlight for the weekend is perfect since we're here at the golf course, right? What better thing to highlight than a great putt uh, on the eighth playoff hole? You want to produce a radio show? Sounds great. Let's do it. All right. Yuck, you want to be a CEO? Could have a job trade going on right now. Let's go. It's pretty basic stuff. You just point and click, you know. (laughs) 
a little more high tech than that. But no, it's exciting to be out here. A beautiful weekend. And uh, one thing I love about the chamber is it brings so many different people from the business community, from the private sector, public sector together and gives us a chance to not only network and grow our businesses, but also make an impact in the community with all the philanthropic work that the chamber does as well. I think you're the first one in, in almost uh, going on 20 years of doing the show that we've had who in his uh, right hand has a golf tee and his left hand has a golf glove. There we go. <laughs> Something special for you, you know. Figured it was appropriate for what we're doing today. So, yeah, it's fun. I have uh, in my foursome, it's a, it's a software company. So I've got uh, Vibonics, which actually can detect your moods and emotions after you talk into their app for 90 seconds, which I don't know how the technology works, but blows me away. I've got Jipe, which is a new job search app, which is kind of like a dating app. If you like the company, you swipe one way. If you don't want to apply, you swipe the other. And then we've got a third software company called Aonix, who uh, helps uh, municipalities better understand what the values of their properties are. So it's kind of an interesting mix of uh, my foursome. Hopefully they can play a little better than I can today, though. So I'm curious as you talk, and maybe uh, how much you know about them before and how much you'll know after 18 holes, that may change, but uh, how the economy is impacting them from the ability to hire people to how, uh, you know, business is booming at this point. Yeah. So for my company, we took the virtual approach years ago when I launched the company because my goal was to have the best talent regardless of where they lived in the U.S. or on planet Earth. So I've got employees in 10 states and in four other countries, which was kind of a novelty several years ago. Now that's kind of the new trend, which is a great thing, but also a curse because so many companies realize they can recruit from everywhere. Uh, so there's a great hotbed, for instance, of software programmers and engineers here in Utah that are now getting poached again by the big techs out of Seattle and the Bay Area saying, hey, keep your beautiful lifestyle here in Salt Lake City, but we want to have you work for us virtually in Seattle or whatever it is. So it is creating a new dynamic and challenge when it comes to hiring uh, great talent. So how does that work for the state of Utah? Does that help or hurt? Uh, I think in the long term, it's still going to continue to help because there are so many people that want to come here, are attracted to the lifestyle and everything, and there still is such great growth. Um, I took my company, and it used to be a California corporation. I moved it became a Utah corporation for so many great benefits. So I think there's a lot of us that are still going to see that ultimate value of being here for so many different reasons. So one of the things then we're seeing with the housing market, are we seeing that there are people who are leaving here for work without leaving? Exactly. So while we're getting move-ins because of real estate prices and all that stuff, we got people who are working out of state but living in Utah, and that's messing with the housing market? That's it as well. Yes, exactly, because you've got some of these big techs. I know some software companies that are facing uh, offers of 30 40% pay raises being offered to some of their employees here to work virtually elsewhere. Uh, so it does put a whole new wrinkle in there. Uh, but at the end of the day, there is so many great things to be attracted. I know when I moved here, um, I got a pay raise, so to speak, just because of the reduction in my taxes from California, my state income tax tax was cut in half. My property taxes cut in half. Uh, and I'm in a more beautiful area. So it was a good match for me. So would you hire me if I lived in Maui? Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. I'm not sure what you do for us yet, but you got a great Nothing. voice. Okay. You could be our spokesperson, huh? And I, oh, I he mean, can, he, he can talk. And, and the way you connected Charlie B with Cardi B this morning, I mean, that was impressive. 
on a Monday morning too, right? Like, have you even had coffee yet today? No, that's the thing is he's not really a caffeinated guy. No, it's a uh, it's a uh, crunch a, bar. Yeah, he, Robert Irvine's Fit Crunch Bar is fueling you today. Okay, power, power bar and water. He didn't even hit the free uh, fruit juices over there. Oh you my know, goodness! Little sugar boost. Nope. And you have to put up with him how many days a week? Five. Five? Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, used to be six. <laughs> used to be six. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if we were going to go there. <laughs> Thank goodness, right? It might be six again. We'll okay. See, if we'll you're lucky out. or unlucky, depending on how that plays out, huh? Lucky. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for being out here this week uh, well, today with us. So this is awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming over and sitting down with us for a few minutes. Yeah, great. No, thank you so much. You guys have an awesome day. All right. You too. Salt Lake Chamber with their golf tournament here at uh, Jeremy Ranch. Brian Epperson, CEO of Target River, joining us here. DJ and PK coming up next. Utah Jazz making changes. It was awesome. He literally just ran out of the room to rejoin his foursome. He did miss as little miss as little as possible out on the golf course. Uh, coming up next, we're talking Utah Jazz and where do they go from here? Changes afoot. Dennis Lindsay moving into an advisory role, and we will get to that next. Stay with us.